Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Wednesday if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out. And if you took a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get around to listening, then happy whatever day it is for you. Um, If this is your first time joining me here, you get one more welcome so I can say how happy I am that you are here. For those of you who don't know, my name is Emily Aborn. I'm the owner and founder of She Built This, a community for women entrepreneurs, as well as this podcast. I'm also a content writer and I help my clients, my women entrepreneurial clients, I help their words to find their voice. If this is your first time listening to the show, here's what you can expect. You can expect stories from entrepreneurs like me and today's guest. You can, you'll be hearing from cool and inspiring authors. You'll get marketing and writing tips that you can use, tangibles you can implement right away, education, inspiration, aka psychobabble um, from me. And it's not as much of a smorgasbord as I as it sounds like, I promise. I, I have a plan, a really streamlined and stunning content system and structure over here. So that said, we're actually going to get into that a little bit in today's episode. Um, but I always strive to provide you with a listen that you will love. And if you do, please make sure to do Please make sure that whatever podcast app you're using, you follow, subscribe, like, I don't know, whatever it tells you to do to make sure that you hear these episodes when they first come out every Wednesday. I also want to invite you to write a review on Apple Podcasts if you love what you hear. Because quite quite frankly, when I know what you love, I know that I want to keep doing those things that you love and giving you the kind of content that you are listening for. So today's guest, let's get right into it, shall we? Today's guest is very interesting. He inspired some uh, new ideas for me, not entirely new ideas, but just things I have not, I hadn't revisited around uh, a podcast and this podcast. And if you are a regular listener and you know me, you will probably actively hear me in this episode sort of get thrown for a loop. Maybe you won't know it. Maybe you won't notice, but I think you probably will. Um, So to give you a little bit of backstory, I discovered my guest, Doug Sandler, through the wild, wild world of podcasting because this is how it often works out in in the world of podcasting. I heard uh, Angie True Blood, a former guest of mine, and hopefully in a future guest of mine on his podcast, The Turnkey Podcast, which is a podcast about podcasting, back in July of this year. And I heard her, I reached out to Doug and I was like, hey, I have a podcast called She Built This. I would love to have you on my show and vice versa. Let's talk. Doug said, sure. Then he had me on his Turnkey Podcast, which I put the link to the link for in the show notes, as well as his Nice Guys on Business podcast. And then I had him here on mine. Um, And so in this episode, well, in all of our conversations, we talked a lot about podcasting because that's what we both have in common. But we also talked about how to use podcasting as a guest. Um, And also, if you are considering starting a podcast or you have a podcast, how to be more strategic with the guests that you choose as a host as well. 
the truth is, I believe that not everybody is a good candidate to have a podcast. But if you do have one, there are some things that you want to consider when it comes to making sure that your podcast is a good use of your time, uh, monetizing it, perhaps helping it to be a resource and a tool for growing your business. It is a a labor of love. It is a passion project, and it can also be a resource and tool for growing your community and growing your business. Um, so I will share with you in a future solo cast, one upcoming very soon, some of the brainstorming ideas that sparked from today's conversation. But today, I wanted to save my breath and cut straight to the interview so that you can just hear some of Doug's thoughts on the perks and the dark sides of being a podcaster. He actually shares with us the formula of how to be nice. Apparently, some people need lessons on this. (laughs) And if you are considering either guesting more in the new year or perhaps starting a podcast in the new year, here are some things that you need to think about first. And Doug also turns the table on me a little bit and challenges me to think uh, beyond how I'm doing my podcast now and be a little more creative and a little more strategic in some of the decisions I'm making with my show. So you will hear the outcome of my thoughts in an upcoming solo cast as I promised and said. Doug Sandler is an entrepreneur and podcast industry leader. His book, Nice Guys Finish First, is number one ranked Amazon bestseller. As a podcast host of the Nice Guys on Business podcast, Doug has interviewed Gary Vee, Ariana Huffington, John C. Maxwell, and dozens of celebrities. Doug is a nationally recognized speaker, writer, and founder of Turnkey Podcast Productions, providing podcast production, editing, and launch services. His Nice Guys podcast with over 1,300 episodes has been downloaded 3.5 million times in more than 175 countries. So without further ado, because you know I could ado all day, let's get into today's episode with Doug. All right. Hi, Doug, and welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. So <laughs> I love that we have done like a couple of swaps here. This is our second of three, so this is fun. We'll get we'll get an opportunity to really get to know one another. No um, worries. I, I love the idea of getting to know you because I'm I'm listening to your stuff and you're you're a pro, and I love aw, that. I love going you. on pro shows. This is good. Thank you. Well, okay. So a lot of people don't know who you are yet, um, besides the bio that I read before you joined us. So why don't you tell us like a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are now? And also I need to know the magic number of just how many podcasts you are the host of. Oh my gosh. Well, if I start there, that's probably the lowest number, even though that's still a high number. I'm probably uh, hosting maybe eight or nine podcasts, depending on the time of year. So I have my I won't list them all, but I have my anchor show, which is our origin stories show, which is the Nice Guys on Business podcast. That's where it all got started. And then we created a production company and Turnkey Podcast became one of our other shows. We te- we talk on that show about podcasting. It's a podcast about podcasting, kind of meta. So yeah, uh, yeah it's it's fun. I, I love podcasting. I mean, I'm a podcasting hammer, so everything looks like a podcasting nail to me. The solution is always podcasting. So Whatever ails you, podcasting is the solution. I agree. Um, and I think we talked on your show about like how many you listen to in a day. And I think you and I have like a similar amount going on how many podcasts we intake during the day in addition to outputting. A lot, 
a lot. Yeah. I am a podcast junkie. I love to listen to the news shows. I love to listen to the comedy shows. I've even listened to some true crime. I don't even remember uh, even, you know, serial it all started with for me. And and that was the first podcast I ever listened to. And it was, was really cool. It was it was about a show that took place in Baltimore. So at the which is where I'm from. So for me, it was like, whoa, this is totally cool. Loved it. Okay, that was my first one too. And this is so timely. Did you know that Adnan, I'm sure you do, he's like been released and exonerated and yep, yep. now gets to kind of start fresh and probably make millions of dollars telling his story. So after <laughs> after 23 years in prison, he deserves whatever he is going to get coming to him that he was found innocent. So that's he, great. Good for yeah. Him. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started and also just like how your business evolved into what it is today. It, it's it's such a, a fun story. It's such a, um, the path is one of those windy, travely roads. I'll just share with you. I spent 30 years as a bar mitzvah MC, a guy that's literally in front of the crowd doing uh, the cha-cha slide and the booty call and the electric slide and the wobble and the wop and all of the things. And somewhere around, and I started doing that in 1992. Okay, somewhere around 97, I went full time in that business and somewhere about 2000 and let's see, we're in 2023 almost right now. So maybe about 2013, I said, I'm going to write a book because I think that there is something a little bit more significant that my life could lead to other than just doing 2100 bar mitzvahs in my career. Oh my so, gosh. so I said, I'm going to write this book called Nice Guys Finish First because Whenever I went to these trade shows, these bar mitzvah trade shows and these DJ trade shows, I was always finding people were spending more time focused on the equipment and the tech rather than the relationship and the business um, acquisition for their business. So these were guys that were making three and four hundred dollars per gig. And I'm like, it doesn't make an, it doesn't make sense. Even if I worked 100 jobs, I couldn't make enough money to support my family. I was the guy making $5,000 a gig when these guys were making three to $500 a gig. And they, and they always would say to me, I'm this tall, nerdy Jewish kid, you know? And, and I was up against these really cool hip hop, urban -y style guys that would be like the leader and yelling on the microphone and doing, and I'm like, it's not about the four hour gig. It's about the year and a half relationship that you're building with your client who's referring 10, 15, 20 clients and other moms and dads to you to, to promote your business over that stretch of period. Yes, I can do a good job for that four or five hours and I'm really good at it. But what I excelled at was customer service. And so I told all of the people that trained and worked for me during that 30 year period of time in the DJ business. I'm like, no matter what business you go to, the skills that I'm gonna teach you are the important skills that you can take with you and excel no matter what you're doing, whether you're a mechanic, uh, a, a, a DJ or a podcaster, return your calls, be a nice guy and tell the truth and you will win no matter what you do. So I wrote this book, created the podcast, the pandemic came and completely shut down all of my friends in the live events business. And fortunately, I had three or four years already under my belt of podcasting. Mm. And I just said, I'm going to lean more into it. And um, since the beginning of 2020, my business has exploded in the podcast production business. And that's kind of brings me, you know, that brings me to where we are today. It's like 1500, 1300 episodes of my nice guys on business podcast, 5 million listens to our show. Uh, we probably do somewhere between four and $500,000 of business from our show. And it's like, okay, now I, now I got this thing dialed in. Let's teach some other people how to really do what we're doing. So, um, 
while we're not here specifically to talk about podcasting, the cool thing is we're just here to talk about like how to build relationships and how to service and what advice we can give to your amazing community that I know you've built through listening to some of your episodes. Sorry. And I do want to talk a little bit about a lot about podcasts because a lot of my listeners say that they want to be a guest on shows or they want to start a show of their own. And I think that there's which, whichever direction you go, there's, um, not do's and don'ts, but there's things that you need to keep in mind as you go forward. Definitely. Um, but before we get into that, like, I'm curious to hear in your opinion, if you could just distill your book down to like one thing, how do you be a nice guy? Well, I, I, I gave you the three things that, but I went through them really fast. Tell the truth, return your, your phone calls, be kind. You know, those those are the three things that you really have to excel at in order to be successful. They're so simple. You know, I, I read one of the reviews and I've gotten, you know, dozens of I think over a hundred reviews on our on my book on Amazon. And one of the things that was said was my one star review. You know, we focus on the one stars, not the five stars. The one star review is same information I could read anywhere, duh. Oh my goodness. All right. And that kind of, it didn't anger me. It's like, until you employ, Mm -hmm. tell the truth, be a nice guy and return your phone calls or emails nowadays or text messages until you not only do those things, embrace those things, live those things until you live those things, then, then yeah, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel as long as I can, because so many people that work for me, that worked for me, that, that, that I know in business do not tell the truth. You know, they, they are serving themselves instead of serving the people across the table from them. I, in order to, for me to excel at what I do, I must, I must serve Emily. I must serve your community. And without serving first, and I'm not talking about a religious perspective. I'm not a religious guy. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm talking about exceeding expectations. I'm talking about telling them the truth, even if the truth doesn't serve you best. You know, everybody that has a check and has a checkbook is not a potential client. Right. And I, I try to emphasize that along the way. And it's really hard sometimes because when you have a service that you're like, oh my gosh, I could make $5,000 or $2,500 by sell, selling that person into my services and get their money um, that may serve you temporarily. But in the long run, if that wasn't a good fit for your culture and who you are, you're going to, you're going to regret bringing in that customer just because they could pay you. I love what you said about yeah, you might know it, but you have to also practice it. So that that is a huge thing, right? Like, oh, I read the book. I, I did the thing. Um, but you have to put it into practice. And I also love what you said about not selling somebody the wrong product for them or the wrong service for them. I have it explicitly on my content consultation call. If I'm not a good fit for you, I will do everything I know how to do to help you find something that is the right fit for you. Like, I want you to walk away feeling like, oh, I got something out of that, even if we don't work together. So yeah, yeah. I love I love those three points. Okay, let's take like a hard and fast turn into podcasting sure. and being a podcast guest. Like, I'd love to hear and and maybe it even uses the nice guys philosophy. Um, but what do you see podcasters and podcast guests doing that just like makes you cringe or like something that, you know, you, you have as an opinion in the podcasting world. That's like, okay, I need to get my soapbox out for this one. Oh, I totally get it. And what's really interesting about it is I've probably been pitched 
3,000, 3,500 times in my, in my uh, podcasting career over the last eight years because we have a network of other shows too. So a lot of that traffic comes to me. Um, one of the things that I see oftentimes when somebody pitches me to get on my show is they basically puke product. They mm. puke themselves. They tell me all about how great they are and their bio and this is why I'm going to be a great fit for your show. But they've done, and I'm going to take this, I, I don't mean to make this sound selfish, but they've done nothing for me as the host. And if you're leading with the, the nice guy philosophy, which is, you know, tell the truth, return your phone calls, be a nice guy, serving others first, what you're doing properly, if you're doing it properly is, hey, why not listen to an episode of my show? See if you're actually a fit for my show. Why don't you leave me a review, a five-star review? Why don't you take a screenshot of that and send it to me? Why don't you have a microphone and ready to go when you actually show up and ready to, ready to play instead of calling on your cell phone to get a, you know, to be a guest on my show? Why don't you listen to the episode mm. and use some of the lingo that I use on my show and make sure that I know that you're actually being truthful about, about listening to an episode or two. Don't hit me with the, I listened to the episode with you and Emily and I love the part where you said, and literally they've listened to 60 seconds of the show and they, if that, listen to an episode, see if you really want to be on it because it doesn't take hundreds of visits and guest appearances on podcasts in order for you to be successful in the guest seat. You could probably do 10 episodes on 10, 10 different shows and get what you need or expecting to get from those 10 visits and, and be successful at what you would consider podcasting, you know, as a guest. My favorites when they don't even get the name of your show, right? Like they'll just be like, I'm pitching to be on the She Built podcast. I'm like, <laughs> that's not the name of it, but thanks. Um, and, and, yeah. you know, I agree with you as a guest, like, even if I, so one thing I can't stand is when I'm listening to a podcast and they have a guest on it. It's like a podcaster I really love. And then the guest is just off doing like their little guest pitch and not giving me really anything. Like I don't tune into your podcast every week because I want to hear a sales pitch. Right. You know, I will go right. to Google if I want to get a sales pitch. I yeah. listen because I want to get value. And I think as guests, like when, whether you're a guest on a podcast or you're doing a workshop for somebody, like it is not a 90 minute sales pitch. You know, it is right. showing up and giving like tangible, actionable, practical things. And I think that the more you do that, the more people are like, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. I say this to my clients. I'm like, when it comes to their content, sometimes they'll push back and be like, oh, I don't know if I want to share that. You know, I don't know if I want to share my, fra <laughs> my, my framework. Give right? it away. Give it all away. You Give can away. feed them. You can spoon feed them every single bite of knowledge you have in your yes. brain and they're not going to do it for themselves. And if they do, then more power to them. Like that's an amazing human being. <laughs> totally, totally agree. What's the expression? Success were like water. You could throw it on some people and they still wouldn't get wet. You know, it's like, okay, let me teach you everything I know about podcasting. I literally could hold a podcast school as an episode for your, for your um, community, Emily. And still people would say, I don't know how to do that. Could you teach me how to do it? Those are really the people I want to work with. The ones that yeah, you can go to Google and type in launch a podcast and probably get 3000, you know, ways to, to launch a podcast. We just happen to know that the way that we do it is so dialed in. And it's yeah. not just about getting on podcasts as a guest or getting on podcast as a host, you know, starting your own. It's about becoming successful at it. And if it becomes another thing on your list of things to do in the course of your day, it will become a thorn in your side and you will want to stop as quickly as you got started, which is why 70% of podcasts that get started are done in the first 90 days. It's like, 
wow, you put all this effort and energy into starting a podcast and now you're stopped after 10 episodes. What happened? Well, I didn't get any results. Well, I didn't get results any for any results for 200 episodes. Try that. Okay? I know, I know, I know. Business. Um, right. <laughs> okay. So, so let's talk about this. So who do you think makes it, who should have a podcast? Like who is a good candidate to have a podcast? Um, and then like, what do people need to think about before they get to the point of reaching out to somebody like you? So let me start with the second part of that first, which is, um, what do you need to know in order to be a good candidate to start a podcast? I would say, and I, I put it into an acronym, get to know your mom, your market, your offer, and your message. If you understand who your market is, you have a specific, and you don't have to be completely dialed in, but if you have an idea, if you just want to start a podcast, I don't know, I kind of like talking and I want to interview people. We all what? like talking. Right. We, oh my God, we're all messengers. And if you can tell I have diarrhea of the mouth, I will completely <laughs> just roll over everybody, which I try not to. So if you get to know your market, like who you want to serve, if you have a specific offer, and again, you don't have to be completely dialed in. I have a 495 offer, a 997, and a 5000. You don't have to know exactly what your offer is, but you have to be dialed into what you want to do, at least to start. And then you have to understand the wording that you're going to use. You don't want to just get on and just start puking yourself. You want to, you want to understand some sort of messaging or branding. So get to know who your mom is. Mm -hmm. You can start without all of that, but to become successful at it, we're going to have to dial that in at some point early on in your podcast space doesn't mean, look, I started with this book, Nice Guys Finish First, and I was a customer service management consultant teaching companies how to, to serve their, their clientele the best way. We are now podcast producers, which is a 180 degree away, away from where we started. But we started with a clearly defined market. We knew our offer and we knew our message. Yes, it changed. And I went to the path of opportunity rather than the path of, I'm going to stay in this if this kills me. You know, that's, that's not a good attitude to take with podcasting. So if you know your market, you're offering your message, good, good starting point to, to get started uh, podcasting. And then who do you feel like makes a good fit for being a podcaster? Um, I would say if you, um, if you have curiosity on your side, if you don't feel like you know it all, if, if you're going to do an interview-based episode, an interview-based podcast, and you want to monetize and you want to tie your business to your podcast, you're in a really good place. Because if you are use curiosity and you have that on your side, you'll be a, a really good interviewer. You'll ask really good questions. If you feel like you are looking for opportunity to market your products and the services that you offer, and you've kind of hit some stone walls when it comes to, I'm just not, I'm not prospecting properly. I don't, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm trying to make connections and the connections that I make, I feel like everything is a sales pitch. Imagine having as a podcast host, this is where I'm sitting as a podcast host, we get anywhere from 50 to 75 applications to be on our show every week. Now this is after eight years. So don't expect this in the beginning, but it'll be a little uphill at the beginning, but it'll start to, to level out and you'll get a lot of these. Because I have a specific strategy in place for my show, I'm actually interviewing clients, referral sources, affiliates, and joint venture partners. Those are the people that I, I work closely with in that guest seat. I don't even necessarily care about the, a, a, a community growth strategy because the byproduct of having people in that guest seat that are clients, joint venture partners, um, affiliates, and uh, the, 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 the and referral sources, the byproduct of that is I will grow a community, which is what has happened over the years. So if you've run into some stone walls when it comes to 
how do I market this thing properly? And how do I really connect with people that want to buy my products and services? It's much easier for me to say, hey, Emily, would you like to share your story and your start and your origin on my show? I think my community could really get a lot out of hearing your your journey that you have taken. That's a lot easier than me saying, hey, Emily, I'm Doug and I have this podcast production business. Would you be interested in monetizing your podcast? Let me show you how. Right. When we do that salesperson prospect dance, you tend to put up, not you specifically, but you universally, people tend to put up a wall because they're guarding themselves. When I say to you, hey, Emily, I have a podcast production business. Do you want to talk about how to monetizing your, how to monetize your show? The first instinct that generally people have is, as a podcaster, uh, he's about to try to sell me something. So I'm going to slow this roll a little bit and I'm going to tell him nothing is wrong and I'm going to investigate whether I want to do this or not. If, however, I said to you, Emily, my name is Doug. I have a podcast called The Turnkey Podcast. Believe it or not, it's a podcast about podcasting. Would you be open to sharing your story and your journey on my show? What would you say to that? I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why not? So now I have an opportunity. Remember, serving our clients and our customers and our prospects first. I have an opportunity to build a relationship with you to determine from the questions that I ask, not only in my podcast guest seat, but in the pre-qualification application, the Q&A that you're going to fill out to schedule it. I can ask some questions to help me understand whether you would be a viable candidate for what I'm selling. Now, at any point along the way, and this is, this is real world experience because we're telling your community what's going on between us right now. Right. At any point during this process that we have been engaged, have you ever felt like I've been trying to sell you something? No. Okay. This is the game I play. Right. And I'm not saying that I ever will try to sell you something, but the reality of it is if you say something that leads me to believe that I feel like I could serve you either by providing services or advice, even if it's free, don't you think that it would be my responsibility because I've heard a need to maybe if given permission to help you solve that problem that you have? Right. So you're talking about a whole new kind of not a new, but a another podcast strategy for making money, which is to which is using your guests as potential clients or or talk, talk choosing potential guests that could then translate into clients. So so I could take the Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss methodology, and that is I'm going to build a community of five, seven, 10 million people take five years, 10 years, 20 years to do that. Eventually take those people from anonymous to known, put them through a funnel and do all the stuff with them. And yeah, that could take a long time by that time that that has all happened, whoever is in that podcast hosting seat, they're done because they're like, I haven't made a freaking dollar. Let's shortcut the whole thing and just put the right people that potentially have a need for what I have in the right position, my guest seat. And it's not just about turning them into clients. It could be turn them into a referral source. It could right. be, it could be turn them into a, an affiliate or a JV partner. And the beauty of it is by doing, by having you on my show, I'm now serving my business. I'm serving my community who is listening, and I'm also serving you because now I'm promoting what you are doing to my community. It's a win for everybody, and there is no bait and switch. It's not like I'm trying to get you into the guest seat to sell you something. If you don't say the right words when you're in the guest seat, like that I would determine that you need what I have, I, we never even have that relationship conversation, you know, that conversation about buying the stuff I have. Totally fine. The 
you know, the interesting thing is, and I don't know if I ever would have realized this until you were just kind of talking through it, but this has happened to me many, many times where my guest has has either had me on their show and asked me the right questions on their show, or I've had them on my show. And then they turn into clients because of the things that they are like curious about. And I'm curious, I'm like, Oh, I have a solution for you. So let's so, just talk about that after we're done recording. So what's really funny is that you're doing it and not even realizing you're doing it. And t let's take the other side of it too. Somebody might say, well, I don't want to be a host. Cause that's, that's just a hassle. I don't want to go through all that reverse the strategy and be a guest that is applying to shows where the host is somebody that you potentially could turn into a referral source or yeah. a, a client or a joint venture or an affiliate. Why not? This is this is called relationship building 101. And if you're not using this tool, podcasting, like I said, imagine having 50, 75, 100 people applying to be on your show as a guest. They are not applying to be guests. They are applying to be clients. Right. That's the thing that I want people to realize. I have a line of people that want to be clients of mine, and I'm the one that gets to decide whether I want them as a client or not, not them. When you start to really understand the strategy, you are now going out to the market and you're looking for the people who you know are the ideal fit. Like, you right. know, you know who your ideal candidate for your, for your con consulting business is. Now, all you have to do is figure out where do they meet and how do I actually introduce myself in such a way that I'm not prospecting them. I'm I'm actually pre-qualifying them to be a guest in my seat, taking out of the equation, am I going to sell them or not? Because we don't know if I'm going to sell them, be a referral, me refer them, them right. be an affiliate or them be a good joint venture partner. It's like, it's the best thing. 900 interviews later, this dialed in experience has been like, oh my gosh, well, I never have to make another prospecting call ever in my entire life. Um. All right. So I want to know like what you consider as like the biggest I think my one of my favorite things about podcasting is that I get to take what I'm seeing out in the world and then bring it into like a condensed conversation, but then like share it back out with the world. So yeah. and you build like this really I think I'm sure you have this too, like a really tight knit community that listens to your show and responds to your show and engages with you and engages more importantly in the conversations that you're having on your show. So I want to hear what your favorite thing is. And then I want to hear the dark side of, of just being a podcast host for you. So I'm going to use one of my other shows as the example of the things that I think are really, really cool about podcasting and how this has really been able to explode. And it's a passion project podcast behind me. You can't see this because you're doing an audio, but Emily can see it because we're, we're staring at each other right now. Behind me, I have photos of a, of a 1965 Mustang, which is a car that I have about 50 feet away sitting in my garage. And um, it's a passion project. You know, I love it. I love working on it. And I said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast about my passion project, my car. So I have a show called Ford Mustang, the early years. We are only dealing with 64 and a half to 67 Mustangs. So it's a two and a half year period of time in the 1960s. All right. So such a micro niche. I have a thousand people every week that listen to this show. I knew so you I were going to say something crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I have a, 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 a an Instagram community of 70,000 people that tune in to the podcast that I play segments of it that I play on the in my stories on wow. Instagram. And what's so crazy about it is I'm trying to figure out, all right, well, how do I exactly monetize this thing? It, may, it might not be monetized. It, it might not be something I ever monetize because I don't want the pressure of the money attached to it and that clouding any judgment about the show. The thing that I love best is the same thing I love about each and every show that I do. The people that come on, all I'm doing is I'm sharing their story. Mm -hmm. 
people will come to you, come to Emily's show and come to my show. You guys come to my show because of maybe the subject matter, maybe the guest, maybe you hear you know somebody's name, maybe there's a famous person that's been on the show or not, it doesn't really matter, but they're staying because they fall in love with Emily. And they're staying because they fall in love with Doug. And believe it or not, there are people crazy enough to like, I want to queue up and listen to Doug and Strickland every week do this. I'm like, we would not be podcasting, was it not for our highly niched, very small group of, of crazy fans, our Funkin' fans, we call them. So everybody has them that's been in podcasting for any short period of time. So for me, the origin story of the guest and me connecting my guests to those highly engaged, highly loyal fans, whether it's my, my Mustang podcast or my Nice Guys podcast, that for me is the ultimate because they are the best. They get me to come. If we don't have, if our episode airs 3 a.m. Pacific time, so 6, 6 a.m. Eastern time, if it's 6.30 a.m., that episode didn't air for whatever reason, there was a blip, a blip on the technology or whatever, we get emails, tons of emails from people like, hey, your episode didn't air. Is everything okay? I'm like, that is like, I can't ever stop because people depend on like my stuff, which is I cool. Love I love that. that. I love, yeah, I love the people that consume all of your content because they genuinely just love yeah. you and what you have to say. So I'm, I'm with you. I didn't even think of that as a huge, a huge perk. Yeah. The dark side, the dark side are the people I get an email today from someone um, who is like a VIP in the world of this is for my Mustang podcast. I won't mention this guest's name uh, just in case she is a fan of your show or she comes on another show and listens. But um, I, uh, I got an email from the guest today who said, Hey, this date is good for me. I don't have time to fill out the application. You know, literally the time it took her to, to write that email would be the same amount of time to fill in the date on the, on the auto scheduler. She just didn't want to be put in my process. I have, I have interviewed some really famous people, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ariana Huffington, John C. Maxwell, uh, Ron Klain, who was the chief of staff for Biden. I mean, I've had some really heavy hitter guests on my show and I would like to say that they are all sweethearts. But the reality of the dark side of podcasting is if you let your ego metric get in the way, how many famous people, how many downloads do I have? How many whatevers, you know, when you start counting things in podcasting, people love to hear how many episodes and how many downloads and all of that that you have. And yet that is a number I share because that's the number everybody relates to, but that's the number that creates the least amount of success in your life. I'd rather have 20 listeners that are highly engaged doing the things that I tell them and share with them than 20,000 people that do absolutely nothing. And so for me, the 20, those 20 people are the key to success in podcasting. And I think one more thing on the famous thing, famous person thing, which is not often discussed is yes, maybe they bring a few more listeners to your show. Um, typically those are not the people helping you promote your show and totally. share the episodes. You know, who are the best promoters and the best episode sharers? Like the people in your backyard, you know, you your and very me. best friends, you yeah, and yeah. me that want to help each other succeed yeah. at this and want to do not just the episode, but want to do the collateral stuff, the engagement, the extra stuff, the webinars, the master classes, the social yeah. media posts after this, because the reality of podcasting is this is not the tool where the money is made. This is just the, the, the catalyst to start the, the process in, in action. It's not like radio where you have, I potentially have 10 million listeners. Well, I potentially have a hundred million listeners. If I take all of the people that 
you know, surf through Apple Podcasts. But that's not where we get our success. It's through the relationships that we that we build that podcasting starts. Okay. Um, I want to get into, I have like a few, I always do like a little rapid roundup fun questions, but before I do, I have one last kind of like serious question. So not that the others aren't serious, but you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I got um, you. So in the, uh, as you've gone on this journey, do you feel like you've gotten better with choosing the right collaborative partners? This has been something, a lesson I have learned in both businesses time and time and time again, like who you hit your buggy to matters and, and really getting clear on like how to choose those people. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like what you, what lessons you've learned in that. It's the 80, 20 rule, no matter how good you are, 80% of the people are are going to do none of the work and the 20% are going to toe the line for you. And those are the greatest partners that you could possibly have. I even joined several organizations, one of them in, in that I'm thinking of just off the top of my head, uh, JVology, Jay Fazette. I don't know if you know Jay, but he's got a program called JVology and I participated in that in two years and, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be upset if I shared the statistic, but the statistic basically is with, with JVology and any joint venture networking program, you're going to have 10 partners and eight to nine of them are going to do absolutely nothing. And that's totally fine. You can't get angry with people for doing what they always do, which is nothing. The other 10%, the other one person or two people person out of 10 that's going to do the work, those are the ones that, you know, the cream rises to the top. You're going to figure out who in those JV partners is the one that's actually going to do the work. 900 interviews that I've done over the last eight years, maybe a hundred of them have become some sort of relationship, you know, deeper than just the, the episode. I would say of the hundred, you know, that we've put together some deals, probably 10 of them have really solidified and been really great relationships that I've had for, for years. And for me, 10 people are, can make the difference of, you know, a $50,000 income versus a half a million or a million dollar income. So just know that most people are not going to do the work. Don't be disappointed. Expect it. Uh, Yeah. I want to echo that too. Don't be disappointed. It's not a reason not to do it. It's not a reason not to forge collaborations and to find the people that, you know, go seek those gold nugget human beings and don't stop until you find them. Yeah. And it's never, unfortunately, it is never that VIP guest that's sitting in the seat. Like you said, look, if Gary V would have just taken a moment and, and, uh, and promoted the episode, we probably could have exploded on the scene even more than the show has, has been successful early on. Cause he was within the first couple of hundred episodes, I believe. And, uh, I didn't depend on him to promote. I just kept promoting and promoting and promoting. And, and for me, I really emphasize that your VIPs are not going to be your normal people are going to be the ones that are going to be the the jam for you. Yeah, I love that. That's a perfect place to get into my rapid round of questions because it. you you set me up with the Gary V. Um, who is I, I want to say who is the most famous person you've interviewed, but I also want to know like who's been the most fun person that you've interviewed. So that's that's a two for one. Uh, I had Jackie the Joke Man Martling. He was uh, he was uh, Howard Stern's uh, right hand man, writer, comedy writer. He was fun. I actually um, I didn't do that interview remote. I did that I did that on site with him. I went to a comedy club and actually sat down with him before a show and and spent an hour and did an interview with him. A really good friend of mine, Lou Diamond, introduced me to to Jackie. That was probably one of the most fun and entertaining interviews that I have ever done, though. Okay, and then who's the most famous? Uh, I probably, well, from a, from a, 
an internet celebrity perspective, it probably is Gary V. Um, leadership, John C. Maxwell, for sure. Um, Ron Klain, from a pr- political perspective, um, by the way, Ron was also a three-time DJ Doug bar mitzvah client back in DC as well. So I had some ins with him already. Um, those were three really good, three or four really good clients for me. Okay, real quick before you drop, before you we drop that, <laughs> like that's the other wonderful thing about all of this is when you're nice in one of your businesses, when you pivot into the next business, it carries over, right? Like totally. I've had people, you know, I had a mattress store and I've had people from my mattress store that come back and work with me now. So it's, it's like when you are showing up in a great way in one business, it carries over and those relationships carry over into the next, whatever yeah, the, you decide to totally, do. Totally. Totally. Yeah. The, the, uh, the vehicle is just the vehicle. You're the person that's driving the vehicle though. People want to hang out with you. They don't care what vehicle you're in. And if you say, Hey, I'm excited about this podcast, or I'm excited about this mattress business, they don't care. It means the same thing to them. Hey, I get to hang out with Emily a little bit longer. Right. Um, okay. And then I have a little lucky habit, I'll call it around my podcast where everything, every time I schedule a podcast is for 333. And every time I email a guest with like either show notes or the, the confirmation email, it's at 333. Um, so I want to know if you have like a little lucky tradition or, or habit around your podcast, or maybe just something you have to do every single time. Well, besides go pee, obviously. Jeez, <laughs> uh, you know I always have my always have my handy dandy water bottle here because inevitably I have a peanut caught in my throat at some point. That I need to I need to go I need to do that. Um, I don't really have any any rituals. Let me see. I I work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so I don't work Mondays and Fridays. So for me, that's probably just more of a, a process than it is a a practice. Um, I don't really know. I don't think I have any superstitions. I'm I, whenever I turn the microphone on, even even if I don't have somebody there, I'm always like check one two. <laughs> like, so I, I do say that. I don't know. It, is that a ritual? Probably. Did you do that as a DJ? Probably. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Every time I when I first turned on a microphone before the crowd was there, I had always check the micro. Always do a sound check, even yeah. if the sound check is literally check one two. So that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's probably. I, I, I mean, it. I do the same thing, test, test, test. But like yeah. we did that when I was like singing in church, so <laughs> I think yeah, it just I, carried over. <laughs> I do. Uh, I do make a habit generally if my guest is a little bit late or they're tuning in or they're trying to do a sound check or get their audio connected. I do usually sing a song about whoever is on the other side of that. So, did I sing a song when you were? Uh... <laughs> yep, yeah. But I don't think I would be late. I mean, I'm not really usually a late person, so not um... late. But you could be connecting, and I'll just. Just, just so you know, if you can hear me, I'll start right. singing a song about Emily or whatever. Right, right. Okay. We're going to have to get you some lucky socks or something because you got to up your uh, lucky habit game around your Okay. Pocket. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right. Why don't you tell people um, how to find and connect with you online and listen to listen to one of your shows and also like anything that would be helpful, you think, to the people listening as a resource? Uh, okay, so if they're a fan of podcasting and they want to listen to a podcast, uh, we do two episodes a week of our Nice Guys on Business podcast, one interview and one just me and my co-host shooting the crap. And that is um, the Nice Guys on Business. You can get that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, if you're interested in podcasting at all, I would probably tell you to listen. I think we have 60 or so episodes out right now of the Turnkey podcast. So just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and pick and type in Turnkey Podcast, and you'll see that little you know graph that we have on there, and you can listen to the show. 
Um, if anything that I said resonated with anybody that's in your audience and they want to get more information about how to become a host of a podcast, um, you don't even have to talk to me. You're welcome to, and I'm happy to chat with you. Uh, but I have a video series. They can just kind of watch five videos on how to get started podcasting, where the money is actually made in podcasting. And that's turnkeypodcast.com forward slash gold. And if okay. they want to get a hold of that, they can. Awesome. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And I highly recommend the turnkey podcast. I love that. That's actually like how I found you. I think. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. We had a mutual connection on there and I heard them on your show and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was fun. And you, I had to, I had to break out of my comfort zone today, everybody, because I had to turn the camera on, which I don't usually have for my podcast. So this, if, if anything was weird, that's why. Um, but no, I don't think I didn't. I've listened to several episodes and you sound just as weird today as you do normally. Perfect. <laughs> then we're doing something right. All right, Doug, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for all the time. This was much, much appreciated. Thanks, Emily. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.